We learned in the previous year, um, we spoke about the mistakes which a person makes by nature of being a person. And why a person's seichel, a person's mind, isn't something which is completely separate from his midas and from his feelings. And therefore, a person is likely to get influenced by his midas and that can distort the clarity and the purity of his seichel. And therefore, we saw that the advice that Shemesh gives was you know, how best possible to restore the seichel and not get affected by the midas. Now, the first point was towards the Dayanian, we spoke about it in the previous year, and that is that a Dayan, as much as he's impartial and as much as he's interested in coming to the real MS of explaining the case, but there is even there the, the gear, there's the invested interest in protecting his own opinion, in backing up his own way of understanding, and therefore if a Dayan suggests one, one option, and the other judges on the bench disagree, so there's a certain Tia, there's a certain, uh, so to speak, middle person has to defend himself, which could render him impartial. Even if their opinion is better grounded, is more logical, has better proofs, he's going to feel compelled to defend his own understanding. And therefore, which we explained, in cases like that, each Dayan would retire to review all the different points of view in privacy, and now he wouldn't be in a confrontational situation where he would feel he has to defend his position. And maybe now he'd be able to focus more on the logic of the case and come to a more balanced answer rather than just a defensive answer. So that's the Muslim Badim. That's the answer Chazal gave for the Dain's potential lack of impartiality. When it comes to the next level, when they said Hamid Tamidim Harbei, so a person doesn't have clarity in deep things because the person's seichel is based on a physical reality. And therefore we need lots of talmidim to be able to come to the true seichel. Therefore it says it shouldn't come to make mistakes. And the Gemara They try to learn by themselves as individuals, and besides the fact that it's wrong, instead of making them wise, the Torah is going to make them foolish. That's the point to understand. Why is it? something which makes a person foolish to learn by themselves. So let's talk first a little bit, discuss the psychology of how a person understands new things, and then we can try and apply it to why learning by oneself could render a person foolish. So the starting point is like this. The way a person understands a concept is in terms of information he already has, in terms of ideas he already knows. And now I already have a first principle, I already have a certain axiom in my mind. I can now try and extend that beyond what I know so far to something else. So I'm applying something I already know, and now I see a further application or an additional piece of information, and it extends my original 
knowledge further. Whereas if I'm missing a basic starting point, so then I'm going to have to look in my mind for something else of how to relate to this new piece of information. Now, let me try to give you a martial and a physical sense first of what this means, and then we'll go to a Torah martial. All of us live in a world where the concepts of an engine which can fuel machinery or electricity is well known to us. We understand that the concept of electricity, we understand how a motor causes things to work and things to move. We can apply it to a motor car, we can apply it to an airplane, we can apply it to a machine. So the concepts we already know. And now if we would see some new application of this principle, some new kind of machine, let's imagine we've seen a motor car, we've seen an airplane, we've never seen a helicopter. And now suddenly we see a helicopter, so it might be something new, original, but the principle is something we can understand. You've taken the motor, you've just used it differently. So instead of turning a jet engine, it's turning a propeller. And therefore we can understand, when we see a helicopter, how a helicopter works, because we have enough basic ideas of the principles of how the motor works to connect it to, to, connect it to this as well. Now it's the same topic when these things were invented. Again, people understood a certain amount, and this was just pushing it one stage further finding a new way to apply or a new way to extend or expand upon what was already known. But imagine you were living a thousand years ago and no one had ever heard of a motor and no one had ever heard of electric power. And suddenly in your farm where you're used to seeing the birds fly past and the sheep grazing, you suddenly see a helicopter descending with an How would the person then explain what this was? He's not going to think, oh well, this is obviously a new way they've decided to use a motor. He doesn't know what a motor is. He doesn't understand the concept of power, of how a motor generates power like that. These things haven't, haven't yet, so to speak, impressed themselves on human knowledge. And if that's the case, if he has this, but he saw this helicopter, it landed, it took off again, with a tremendous noise, it went up into the sky. So what, how's he going to explain it? And obviously he's going to come with some explanation because he can't deny what he saw, but the explanation is not going to be anything like the real explanation of how helicopters work. It might be something of a, of a non-physical nature. It might be some mis- mistaken understanding of whatever physical principle the person is aware of. For example, we know that he, he might be aware of the wind. He's seen the wind, he's felt the wind. So you might think somehow a wind generates power to, or uh, this thing is like gets carried by the wind, somehow or another. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be wrong. Because if a person doesn't have the ba- basis He's not going to understand the application. And that's a pretty straightforward idea. Now the same thing applies to Torah. And that is, if a person has a background in principles of Torah, then when a new case comes up, he has a starting point with which he can connect to it. It's just another application of a certain rule. But if a person's missing in that background, and then the, the, there's a gap in his knowledge, there's something which he doesn't know about. And if that's the case, he doesn't have the way to explain this new din or this new concept because he's missing a, a first principle which would give him the key to explain this to. The answer would obviously be, if a person would know everything first, so this wouldn't be an issue, then he would know all the first principles. But being, as we said previously, the door is a lesser door, 
and therefore the mastery of the entire Torah is going to be something which is more difficult to come by. And if that's the case, when a person's seichel is limited, and they're going to have to try and explain things in terms of the knowledge which they have, even if it's inadequate, they're going to understand wrong. No different to our farmer trying to explain a helicopter as best he can, it's going to be wrong. He's missing basic information. And same thing, if a person comes across a child of Tum of topics he doesn't know well enough, topics he doesn't have enough proficiency in, then the explanation or the understanding is going to be wrong. And what's the solution for that? So he says, As previously, because when you have more people, so even if they're missing a certain bit of information, they're not all going to make the same mistake. And therefore, when there's a difference of explaining something, so then it leads easy to think, maybe my explanation is based on my perspective of it, which is based on what I know. And if the other person is explaining it differently, maybe he's, he knows something I don't. And therefore, the clarification of learning with others is something which just separates between what's actually written and the person's understanding of what's written. And very often in the Makhlaikas, on a Torah topic, one sees this. He learned the Sugya, he mentioned previously, he learned the Sugya. He decided that it means a certain thing. He saw the person and he decided that this is what they're saying. And when he argues upon somebody else and he says, but it's in the first Gemara, it's clearly written in the Shulchan whatever it's going to be. And the other person says, I learned the Gemara, it doesn't say that. So they'll open up the Gemara together. And the first person will find it doesn't actually say that. He thought that's what it meant based on his way of reading it, or based on his, what he knew about and how he interpreted it. That's not what it says. And therefore, that process of having more people to compensate for the, mist- the mistakes that each individual will make based on his preconceived ideas or based on his misunderstanding is what's going to ensure the shame is attacked. And that's what the Gemara says, if a person learns by himself to touch him, they'll become stupid. In what sense will they become stupid? They'll become, because they'll be making mistakes. They'll be making mistakes based on their misunderstanding of the topics. But without somebody else to give a second perspective, they'll be convinced that the way they understood is the correct way. And then they're building a castle based on a, missing a foundation based on the misreading or misunderstanding of the topic. So that's the answer for the mistakes which come, and again, a human mistake, which comes from a person trying to explain things in terms of his own perspective, in terms of his own knowledge. And therefore the answer for the learned letter is that there should be many Talmudim. And now when it comes to the general population, we saw the third answer the Asusiyag Gatari. So previously we saw a Siyag, could be because otherwise people don't think and they aren't being aware that they're going to over an is- be over in Isra. But now we come to another explanation of the Siyag Torah and the morale says, he explains the This refers to a person as being someone which has a body. A body which has its own wants and its own drives and the Seichel inside the body and therefore a person's Seichel will try and work with his body. Which means, what the body wants, the Seichel will try to justify. If a person 
if he doesn't make a, ba- a barrier to protect the mitzvah of Torah, then that's going to lead him to be over in the Torah. Why? Because if a person knew the Torah well, and he knew what the rules and the reasons for the rules in the Torah were, so then he understands what the halach is and why he won't make a mistake. But we're talking now to the general population who might know a halacha without knowing its reasoning and without knowing the depth behind it. And if that's the case, in his mind he'll say, well, if this is allowed, that's something I should be allowed to. I don't see any difference. Why is this different to that? And with that kind of faulty reasoning in him, he'll allow himself to do various Yisurim based on the comparisons he's making from what he knows is mutter. But, without knowing properly why what's mutter is mutter, and why what's asr is asr, he's going to make mistakes. And how are we going to prevent that happening? Again, if everybody would be a wise time in Chacham, this wouldn't happen. But being as we're dealing with the, the whole Kali Yisrael, and many of them might be aware of what we do and don't do, but they definitely haven't learned the, the reasons for that. So therefore, Chazal's only answer is to take a step back and to say wherever we see a possibility of a person misunderstanding the halacha and as a result of that becoming to be matter something else as an isr, our only option is going to be to ask both of them. Because if both of them are also, then a person doesn't have the starting point on which to base his faulty reasoning. And that's the point of making a siyag Not just to prevent a shaygeg, but to prevent mistakes coming from a person's reasoning to himself, what's most and what's also, which is based on, again, uh, uh, firstly, the Yetzirah, y- y- which is pushing a person to find a hatha for what it wants to do. And secondly, a person's lack of knowledge of why what's also is also, and therefore they don't see the differences between the case of which is mut and the case is also, which is also, and they're going to be matter within themselves. And the example he gives for this is the Sugi of Shneer Slarais. First degree relatives, the Torah asks uh, that that's arayas and as a penalty of a chorus. Second degree relatives, as far as the Torah is concerned, are mutter. But Chazal came along and asked the second degree relatives as well. Why? Because we're going to be worried that if a person would be allowed to marry those relatives, then they would think if these are mutter, then why is the other one also? In other words, if my ca- if let's say my cousin is mutter to marry. So why can't I marry my aunt? Whatever the case is going to be. And uh, it's going to cause a person to be over in a deraisa. And therefore the only answer was to ask them as well. And therefore if, if those relatives are also asr, then a person isn't going to think that I'm going to learn on my own from the one to the other. If not for the restriction Chazal made against marrying shnir, secondary relatives, people would come to marry their first relatives, which is also from the Torah. Let's give one or two examples of this. Even though I'm talking about the Rabbanans, and therefore, Rechazal didn't have a reason to enact a second gather to protect the Isidur Rabbanan, but we'll show how the mistakes are prevalent. For example, the halakha is that a person after eating milk is allowed to eat meat. Now, somebody could think, I know the Torah says I can't eat milk and meat together, but I can see that I can, if, if I have a gap in between, that if I have milk and then afterwards meat, it's okay. So that's okay. So what's wrong with the other way around? Why can't I first have meat and then afterwards have milk? I don't see any difference. I'm not eating them together. That's what the Torah forbades. The Torah I know allows me to have meat after milk, so I would think I can have milk after meat too. Now, there's reasons why there's a difference between those two cases. 
But if we, again, we're talking to a person who knows what people do. He doesn't know that so he hasn't learned the this. And if that's the case, he's likely to make a mistake. Another example. There's two takanas regarding food from God. The one is a takana of what's called pasakum, bread baked by a guy, and the other one is called bishalakum, food which is cooked by a guy. Now, when it comes to pasakum, there's a din that if in a place where a person can't get Jewish baked bread, one's allowed to buy paspalta. Paspalta is bread baked by a baker for commercial purposes. He's selling it, he's not inviting people to eat in his house. So Chazal said, if a person can't buy bread which is baked by Jews, he's allowed to eat paspalta, which is bread baked by going, but in a commercial capacity, a bakery. A person might think, so I see that there's this hatter, and if a person can't get a kosher Jewish option, he's allowed to get a non-Jewish option as long as it's uh, in a commercial setting. If that's the case, a person would think, when it comes to bishalakum, if I'm in a place where I can't get food cooked by a Jew, so maybe I can get food cooked by a Goyish factory, or by a Goyish commercial enterprise. It's also uh, something which is being done in a... In, not in an intimate setting, but in a commercial, in a factory setting. What's the difference? There's a very big difference. With that, you have to learn the sugya. And then again, Chazal talking to people who they didn't expect to know everything. People who based what they're doing on what they see, and therefore they're going to make their own conclusions from that. So there was, here's a mocking for a mistake. Now, Chazal didn't go further than that, because anyway, they're both the Rabbani. But if one of them would have been a Daraisa, then Chazal would have had to take the extra step. Because otherwise, people are going to make these comparisons and make mistakes. And that's what he says, What people do by itself isn't something which is defined as why we do it. And therefore, people are, might do things without knowing the gather, the limit of what's motivated to do or the reason for what we're doing. And that can bring a person to make faulty comparisons which will bring to mistakes. And therefore, If there's a comparison in his mind between the mutter thing and the asa thing, so if he's doing what's mutter, he'll come to do what's asa too. And that's why he tells these three things. Not just because the dar was falling, but because a human whose mind is either, so to speak, controlled by or at least influenced by his body or his midas is less likely to be completely logical but if that's the case if this is a human condition so then why was this only the dinim of, of the rules given to us there were people before that too so on this the morale is going to tell us a big chiddish but if you think about it a bit it's not just his chiddish we're going to find that the Rambam says the same thing and we'll look back further and we'll see it's even in Chazal and he says, In the generations before them, the, generation, the generations of Nevim and the generations of the Zeskainim, their level of Seichel was completely detached from the Chaymer, from the physicality, from the Mirus, from the Negeus. We're talking about people, Nevim, or the Zeskainim that came before them. But by them, their intellect was unstudied by. Their body, it was ki'ida der l'seich al-nivdal. Pure logic without being influenced by midas. And therefore for them, for they wouldn't need these instructions because they wouldn't have the problem 
are being influenced by their bodies or by their midas. Can Nevi'im Einam come Stam Adam? The Nevi'im weren't like normal people. And therefore, the, the Nevi'im had no need to give a person instruction what applies to a normal person. The Madrag of the Nevi'im was above that. And this is an important principle. In those generations, at that time when there was Nevi'im in the world, there was a possibility. And a person wanted to become a Navi. What would they teach in Navi school? What training would a person need? What, what would a person have to do to prepare himself in order to receive Nevi'im? And the answer is that the training to become a Navi was really the training to overcome one's medicine. The training to, to perfect one's character. We have the famous price of Rafinchas ben The Torah brings to Zahiris, which brings to Zerizus, which brings to Nakias, which brings to Tyre, to Precious, to Chasidus, to Yira, to Anova, to Kedusha, and eventually to Ruach HaKodesh. That price was written at the time of Tanoim, where the highest level a person could hope for was Ruach HaKodesh. But if it had been rewritten in the time when there was Nevoa, so then the next step in the price would be maybe the day Nevoa. The training for Nevoa was the self-perfection that was necessary. The mastery over one's midas, when a person is no longer held back, pulled down by his physical side, then his neshama is free to connect to a higher dimension. And the Rambam writes in Shemona Prakim that the level of nevur a Navi reached was based on his level of self-perfection. And the Rambam explains with the famous words of Chazah, that it says the difference between the nevur of Moshe Rabbeinu and the nevur of the other Nevim was that Moshe sought through an aspaklaria hameira. He saw through a clear lens, whereas the other Nevi'im saw through an Aspaklaria Sha'inamira, an opaque lens. When a person sees through a clear lens, he can see completely clearly what's on the other side. But the more opaque and the more translucent the lens is, the less clear it is what a person can see on the other side. So what made Moshe's lens more clear than the other Nevi'im? What's the lens we're talking about? And the Ramam explains that the lens is the person's nefesh. And a person can, can relate to the world of Ruchnius through his nefesh, and how much he can relate to that depends on how clean that nefesh is. Because if a person is too focused on or too connected to his physical side, his medicine or his body, so it's not just that the lens is opaque, the lens is completely obscured. But the more a person detaches himself from the pull of his physicality, from the power of his midas, the more layers he starts to peel off that lens. And each layer he removes from it, the more clear it becomes what's on the other side. And therefore, Navi was somebody who had worked to perfect himself to the stage where he could see through the lens of his nefesh, and he could see into a world of ruchnis. Moshe, as the greatest Navi, was the one who achieved the greatest self-perfection. And therefore, by him the lens was clear. The other Nevi'im, each in his level, was how much he was able to connect to the Ruchnius by detaching himself from the Gashmius. But the very basic requirement for a Navi was at least that he had worked on himself to the extent where he had removed enough of those levels which conceal the lens of the Nefesh, the levels which come as a result of the body and a person's midas, that he was able to connect to Ruchnius. And therefore, 
when the Messiah was from Navi to Navi, the Navi of the Dar gave the Torah to the Navi of the next Dar. You don't have to give them advice about how to overcome, so to speak, the factors of a person's midas which are going to interfere with their seichel. If they're already holding by the word, they've already done that. And therefore, these instructions weren't necessary in the transmission of Torah from Navi to Navi. When we speak about the Zkenim, the elders who are on an even higher level than the, than the Nevim, so then for sure wouldn't there be Nagayadeh. To achieve that level of greatness in Torah too, a person has to have first detached himself from his midas. And we have Gemara's which say this as well, that the more that a person can detach from his midas, the greater his level of Torah is going to be. And therefore for them, when they looked at their students as the, the next in line, who they wanted to transmit the Torah to, so we're already talking about people who've, who have got, traveled the journey of Tukhan Amidus. We're already talking about people who are, level, are on the level where they aren't influenced by their bodies, and therefore this advice wouldn't have been necessary. And now we can see that this principle of the Maral, the principle of the Rambam, and that is that a person's Ruchnius depends on how much he is detached from his body, is really a Gemara. Two Gemaras, both of them Sachem. The one Gemara says that if a person gets angry, Im Im If he's a Chacham, he loses his Chachma. If he's a Navi, he loses his prophecy. And therefore we see that even somebody who had got to the level of mastery over a Meda, but if that Meda would flare up again and influence him, he would lose his level. He would lose his Nevo, he would lose his Chachma. And it's only by Gaiva. The Gemara says, If a person acts with pride, haughtily, it's the same thing. He'll lose his Chachma, he'll lose his Nevo. It's incompatible. And therefore, until a person regains control over his Meda, he won't be able to have a level of Nevo or a level of Chachma. And therefore, for people like that, on such an exalted stature, the Skanim, the Nevim, that were transmitters of Torah, they were holding above this. They are holding in a place where they didn't need this advice from Anshagadolah. And he says, As And if that's the case, they could relate to people who didn't become Nevim. They were much greater than the average person. But he's saying a Navi is altogether a different concept. A Navi was a person who's like a Malach. A person who can relate to the Rukhni world because they're detached from this physical world. The Antichrist Sagadola in their greatness were nevertheless worth Nevim. And therefore they could still talk to people as people. People who do struggle with the Yetzirah. And therefore people who need to be given advice on how to overcome it. Like we said, Moshe and Yeshua for sure were even greater than the Skyrim and Nevim. They were on a different level. They were in a category of down. Not everybody was a Zakin or a Navi. They were the Yechidah Skula, the exalted individuals who reached that level. And that's an interesting point. And that is, it's true. The Navi who was instructing the Navi after him as the next link in Kabbalah Satara, in translation of Torah, maybe was already a Navi and didn't need this advice. But why didn't they give advice to their generation? Why wasn't the generation, so to speak, given the advice of 
people who weren't Nevi'im, even though they were living in a dar where they were, and give them the advice what to do. So he says over here that even their dar was in a different madriga. I'll explain why in a moment. We're living in the dar where they weren't Nevi'im anymore, and therefore they spoke to people as people. People who are affected by their midas, by their bodies. The first ones who give instructions to us as a generation were the Anshakan Sagadola. Before them in the generations of the Nevim, we don't find them giving us this kind of Musa. The Techacha was from a father to a son. And after the Maral began his explanation of the Mishnah, a father has the experience, he's already traveled the journey, his son's beginning, and therefore he can give him advice what to do. And therefore, to give advice to us, the post and the Ver generations, the ones who've traveled that route, and the ones therefore who can advise us what to do with Ashkenaz Sagadola. They were the first of the Dorists on the post Nevoa world who could give advice to us as a post Nevoa world. The Nevim don't give us advice. They were talking to a different world. That's not to say the Nevim don't give Musa. Open up any Navi, you'll find that it's full of Musa. But it wasn't the Musa of Avis. The Musa of Avis is instruction to us as from a father to a son for how we should grow. And therefore it has to be from Dorists who can relate to us. The Nevim spoke to their door. And like he said before, the door of the Nevim was altogether a different door. They weren't all necessarily tzaddikim. They were Rishayim and those dairies too. Those were dairies who eventually brought about the Khurban. But the reality they lived with was a different reality. And if that's the case, the Muslim which should be given to them was different to the Muslim which, which was necessary for us. And therefore, when we're talking about the advice which is the advice of the others, of the of our leaders, our fathers to us, is always Anshkan Sagadayla. A father can give his son advice because the son is still more connected to his physical side, to his yetzarat, to his midas. The father, to some extent, has already traveled the route and overcome that, so he can give his son advice how to do the same. We have no advice from the Nevi'im because their door was a different door. And that's why I explained why we don't find instructions given to us from the levels before the Anshkan Instructions they gave, but not to us. The world changed. There was a world of Nevo, with its greatness, with its challenges, with Avodah Hashem, which was required then. And there was the world of post Nevo. And the Torah doesn't change. There was a transmission of Torah and That remains always. But the application of Torah is going to be different based on the new Dar. And that's what the Pirkei Avos begins with. The Torah transmission was from Moshe Rabbeinu unbroken until Anshanasakadayim. But they presided over a new world, a world of post-Nevoah, and therefore the instructions they're giving to us is the Doris of post-Nevoah, 
with all the lack of spirituality that comes as, as a result of that. And now, as a result, they can give us advice. Because it's something which is applicable to us. As opposed to the advice of the Naveem or the Skanim, which would have been a very applicable to their door, and they did give them advice, but it wouldn't have been applicable to us. That's the explanation of the three things that Anshka Sagdala said, and the answer to the question he began with, and why do we definitely only find the advice beginning from Anshka Sagdala?